The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. September is nearly here, which means we have some big prospect promotions to talk about up next. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, August 31st. I am Frank Sample, joined by Chris the Welsh. Today on the show, Darius Vines had a successful Braves debut. Ryan Pepio continues to pitch well. Starter sit questions for next week and much more. Before we get started, help us out by liking this video and subscribing on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Welsh, did you hear there was a UFO sighting in New York? Oh, no. Was there any sign of intelligent life? <laughs> yes, actually, there was a Martian. He's on his <gasps> way to a New Martian, York. I was told to give them water and they'll just disintegrate. That's what I would six. Uh, what was the movie? I was to say The Sixth Sense. It wasn't that. It was Signs. Signs told me uh, that if you just give a Martian water, they will disintegrate. In this case, that's probably not. I am very excited about uh, this on a blue moon. I don't know if you noticed a little blue moon action. I think uh, the next one is going to be in like 2037. No shocker that we get uh, signs of a Martian coming to New York, Frank. That's right. And he's not the only one. In fact, it's really both New York teams because the latest that we have is Jason Dominguez getting called up by the Yankees, as is Austin Wells. And then the Mets are also promoting their 22-year-old prospect, Ronnie Mauricio. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, prospects, they come up and they fail right away and they don't have, you know, they don't necessarily contribute much from a redraft perspective. But these are some pretty big names. So I think we just need to lead right in and let's talk about it. 20 years old. Jason Dominguez got off to a slow start at double A this season. And then from the beginning of July on in double A, he hit 331 with five homers, 19 steals, an 891 OPS. Got promoted to triple A recently. Eight games at triple A for Dominguez, batting 444 with 10 RBI, two steals, and an 1124 OPS. Five walks to two strikeouts. Plate discipline looked good. Very small sample size, obviously. He's 32% rostered. 
Welsh, I know this is someone that you are very excited about. Give us the entire scouting report. What do you think about Jason Dominguez, the player, whether or not he can make an impact this season over the final month of the year, and maybe what size leagues you'd be looking to add him, if any. I am excited about this because, you know, this was like the most highly touted prospect. He was so interesting in, if you ever paid attention to prospects, because the guy before him was Kevin Maiton. You know, Kevin Maiton was, you know, he's a crazy talent. He could be Miguel Cabrera as he kind of grows into his body. But this was coming from a lot of people that had not seen like him really in any period of time. And then also there was the Brave scandal and there was a lot of old reports. Dominguez kind of came off of that as this next, like everyone's screaming about him, but we had continuously been seeing him. We had been seeing lots and lots of video and you had scouting directors, you know, obviously giving insane comps, but it's been a nutty path this entire way through the minors from sky high value to coming back down to people calling him a bust and he'd never amount to anything. And one of the biggest overhyped prospects of all time. And guess what? He's coming in at 20 years old off of all of that, all of that, stealing almost 40 bases and hitting 15 homers in a little over 110 games in the minors. That's kind of a live up to that entire hype. And when I finally got to see him in the AFL this past year, the results weren't there. They weren't there. He actually played some really poor defense. But one thing I noted, I tweeted about it. I got lots of videos of Jason Dominguez. I just put out one was that he was consistently barreling up and hitting the ball really hard. Homer's taken away by wind. Obviously, you're going against much older competition and really, really difficult spots, but he was always hitting the ball hard. And then this year, came out the gates, struggled, but he completely rebounded. 37 stolen bases in a row in double A this year in 109 games. Hard hit numbers nearing 29% according to Rotowire's hard hit data for him on the season, a walk percentage that's in the 15s, and he was hyper aggressive on the base path. So all of those changes at this age and how the Yankees slow rolled him at the beginning and then they just pressed Arizona Fall League, Double A, Triple A, Majors this year, it tells you a lot. I don't think it's just gimmicky. You know, hey, let's get New York fans off our back and bring him up and have everybody shut up. It's not just gimmicky. This guy's a real deal. And it's going to be really difficult to live up to those expectations. But I think this is the type of guy that can do it. I said this to you off air. You, I think, asked me this question a long time ago. And you were like, who could be the next Ellie De La Cruz? And I said, well, you know, you want like a physical comp to it. James Wood. James Wood seemed like the guy from a prospect perspective. Six foot six, you know, lengthy, can power run. But I think from a like stat standpoint, Jason Dominguez has an opportunity to kind of be that guy. They look completely different. Jason Dominguez is tiny. He's like a tiny, shorter guy, but he's big. He's bulky, hits the ball hard. He runs like crazy. He's super aggressive. And I think you're going to see some of that on display. I am worried about this isn't a prospect that these pitchers don't know. You know, there's plenty of prospects that come up and pitchers might not be aware. Everyone's going to know who this is. So what type of arsenal are you going to see? Are you going to see guys trying to beat him with fastballs? You're going to see more off speed stuff. Will we see the April Jason Dominguez? Their struggles could be in there. But you want to talk about rookies not living up to the hype, especially in redraft and contributing early on. We see we are seeing some of these guys do it. Parker Meadows is currently doing it right now. I felt in 12 team, five outfielder, I would have invested in Parker Meadows. Most likely, unless obviously, unless you got like somebody really decent, I would have speculated. I do the same thing here because 
what would be the reasoning that he's not going to play center field every single day from September 1st on as Harrison Bader is on the waivers? There really isn't. I don't see it. So I think he can steal. I hope he hits for decent contact. Either way, I think this is a great opportunity for the offseason. If he struggles, I'm going to buy. If he plays well, I think I'm still going to kind of buy. And I'm going to pick him up right now. I'm going to speculate that I can probably get anywhere from maybe four to six stolen bases. And maybe we get lucky that those power numbers continue to go. But this is the type of talent that you're going to want to probably push up on. 44%, I believe, ground ball rate he had in AA. We don't care about the AAA numbers right now just because it wasn't a, a long enough run. Also, only a 16% soft hit uh, percentage over on Rotowire, which is really a good thing to see as well. That goes along with the hard hit percentage. So I'm in. He walks. He gets on base. He steals. Hits some homers. I'm not dropping great stuff for him, but... I would imagine most of you probably have some interchangeable players. So that was a big old diatribe for me, Frank. But I think there's enough to get excited about, especially in Dynasty. But why would you not speculate? Who doesn't need stolen bases unless you're in a points league? You know, when you started talking about him, you brought up the expectations and the player comps. And I remember when he was signed, he was what, like, 16 years old or something like that and people are talking about the next Mike Trout the next Mickey Mantle like all these kind of Lou Gehrig yeah like all all these crazy comps for for Jason Dominguez and you're right it's definitely been an up and down minor league career uh, to this point but again the downs earlier this season and then obviously picked it way up so it sounds like 12 team leagues five outfielders or deeper that's where we're looking at Dominguez so obviously anything you know 15 team five outfielder leagues I'm sure people are going to be looking to pick Jason Dominguez up. Like, why not? Yeah. Like, you, like, like what, do you, what do you think you're losing? Like, who are the type of players? Harrison Bader? Are you going to need Harrison Bader, Jason Dominguez? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a great replacement if you had Harrison Bader in yeah. your lineup. Uh, would you take Dominguez ahead of other recent outfield call-ups? Parker Meadows, Willier Abreu, Sadon Rafaela, and Lawrence Butler. Yes, on all of them. Parker Meadows is a little tough. Coming off of, like, a three-hit game. Yeah. And I think Rafaela's um, skill set looks really what good maybe a better contact hitter but like to me like parker meadows you might not get the stolen bases you get that with dominguez you know maybe power questions with rafaela and maybe there's more with meadows you get that with jason dominguez like the the only struggle is going to be if he cannot hit major league uh breaking pitches and he hits a buck 30 and that kind of tears it down but i would take a shot at it i, w- I wouldn't i wouldn't want to uh demolish my like starting roster and cut someone really good because I want to jump into hype because this is an important time, but I would want to speculate on it, especially if he does get hot for three. It's pretty easy to get hot and stay hot for three weeks. And this is a guy that I think could do that. So cautiously optimistic. All right. And say Don Rafaela, by the way, did make his first career start on Wednesday. He went one for four with a double, a run and an RBI. Two hard hits in that game. The double was 107.1 exit velocity. Started mm-hmm. against a lefty in Framber Valdez. And I, I've said this consistently the past couple of days. I like the player. I like the skill set for Rafaela. I just don't know if he's going to play enough. Especially with Abreu's coming back from the paternity leave. And the Red Sox have this glut of outfielders and DH players that they need to kind of fit into the lineup. So I like the player long term. I don't know about the rest of the season for Sedan Rafaela. Let's talk about the Mets promoting 22-year-old Ronnie Mauricio. That's coming on Friday. He's had a great season at AAA, 292 batting average, 23 homers, 24 steals, and 852 OPS, 91.1 average exit velocity at AAA. That's 
top-notch stuff. This is a big dude. He's six foot three. He can move around the diamond. Played 56 games at second base, 27 at shortstop, 27 in left field, two games at third base as well. So I think they're going to move him around a little bit. He's shortstop yeah. eligible on CBS for now. 25% rostered. Welsh, your thoughts on Mauricio? And who would you rather have, Mauricio or Dominguez in redraft? Ah, uh, I mean, I think like. <laughs> I didn't even let you talk for like six minutes. Like I don't want to be the J I'm not trying to be the Jason Dominguez guy, but like I was telling you off air, I was actually getting really excited for my prospect update, which I do um, on my Patreon at in this that in September I was going to drop a seven and I, I usually don't get like I get people tell, that tell us what that me. means, though, by the way, you're going to move Dominguez up to your seventh ranked prospect, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I was kind of telling you, like something that happens is I might get early on somebody example, Ethan Salas. I might be the first there. And then you get like hyper aggression and someone will be like, well, I have him here and I have him here. I mean, pipeline went five. So I got excited because like I think I was about to be the most aggressive from a prospect rank standpoint on Dominguez because I had moved him last week to seven overall of over and moving him into the top 10. And then, you know, he got called up and that kind of got taken away. So like my excitement level is there just because I really do think with how the game is being played right now and approach and a short sample size of pitchers not readjusting that Jason Dominguez could like do some serious stuff. I like Ronnie Mauricio. I did have somebody like some months back where I was talking about Ronnie Mauricio, a very respected name, not like him in the industry. It's an industry person that is very well attuned to prospects and liked um, to pay attention to Orolvis Martinez kind of over him, kind of saying that like at the end of the day, like I don't know what Mauricio is. Maybe Mauricio is only a 15, 15 guy. The thing that got me excited about it, hard hit numbers are there. 29.2 Rotowire hard hit percentage, K percentage dramatic drop from where he's been in the past. I mean, at high A, he was a 24% strikeout guy in 2021, 18% this year. Highest walk rate of his career since rookie ball as well. Batting average is stuck and he's a 2020 guy. I think there's a lot in there, but he does swing and whiff at a lot of stuff. So I do worry about that a little bit. I would take Dominguez here because I also worry about like, where's that playing time going to go? And maybe they're going to, you know, ping him in different spots. And I don't know, like Buck also would be like, Hey, this is awesome to have this prospect sit for nine days. And then he comes up and he gets one start and you're like, what the hell? Like, I just don't trust that it's every day. And I shouldn't be so Pollyanna that Dominguez is going to play every day, but they literally designated the center fielder that they've got for a guy that is going to be their future center fielder. So I'm, I'm taking assumptions here. Ronnie Mauricio is solid. If he gets the playing time, he has proven to not strike out a whole bunch. I'm just worried that that batting average is going to sink. But he is a guy that could be, you know, I mean, showing a 2020 minor league guy. At worst, he could be a 15-15 at the major league level. So he probably sits in the vicinity of like maybe more exciting than Meadows, kind of similar to Rafaela. If Rafa, if they both got the same amount of time, I actually would probably refer, prefer uh, Rafaela over Mauricio. But you got middle infield problems. Go do it. You know, if, if maybe they'll surprise us and maybe they will play him a decent amount. Yeah, I, I personally do think he's going to play quite a bit. Uh, these two teams are in the same place right now. They're not really playing for much this year. They need to play their prospects, see what they have in these guys and see if they're ready for an opening day roster spot next year. Both of them are switch hitters, too. So I don't think that there should be much of a platoon uh, kind of worry here for either Ronnie Mauricio or Jason Dominguez. Last point on Mauricio, comes at a good time, too. He lost Bo Bichette earlier this week. He went on the IL, so if you play in a deeper league, you need a shortstop or a middle infielder, potentially some power and some speed there. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, 
coming coming on Friday to the New York Mets. The last name here is Austin Wells, a 24-year-old catcher prospect, former first-round pick back in 2020 with the New York Yankees. He was batting 240 with 17 home runs and seven steals in the minors between AA and AAA this year. You look at the stat cast numbers at AAA, 88.7 average exit velocity. That's okay. It obviously could be better. He walks a lot. He's got good play discipline. Strikes out a little bit. Well, she reminds me of a player who used to be on your Diamondbacks. You let me know if I'm off base here. A lesser version of Dalton Varsho. I don't know if he's going to run as much, but just the tendencies, the pull, hit it in the air. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got that short porch in uh, right field in Yankee Stadium. He's only 7% rostered. This is someone who we can look at in two catcher leagues, I think, very clearly. I think he's going to get a chance to play at least against right-handed pitching. Your thoughts on Austin Wells? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Varsha definitely more athletic than him. Um, and I think, he I mean, he only had a 33% pull rate and a 41% pull rate this year, so he wasn't pulling the ball a whole bunch. I think that was a little bit more Varsha's game. You know, it's funny, they, they, there was a report, too, about them wanting him to play more first base, and I've mentioned this before, but I, I interviewed uh, Austin Wells during the COVID year of AFL, and I remember I asked him that question. I was like, hey, Yankees ever talked to you about playing a different position, maybe out here? And he's like, nope. He was a weird interview. It was one of my weirdest interviews ever. He was just like, nope, never happened. I'm a catcher. And I was like, okay, let's move on. And now they're potentially talking about him, you know, playing some first base here or there. I like Austin Wells. I don't get overly excited. I think the um, skill set thing that you were talking about plays in a little bit more. I think he's running a lot less. I mean, he's seven stolen bases this year. He had 16 the previous year. The He actually has the hard, highest hard hit numbers, according to Rotowire's hard, hard hit strength data, than either of the three players we've talked about, 30.6. But the K percentage, it sits up a little bit higher. I think he's going to swing and whiff, and he struggled with consistent batting average. So... I don't know. We've, we, there's like so many fun streamable catchers we've been looking at throughout the year from the Yanni or Diaz and stuff. I'm not excited about Austin Wells. Maybe he'll hit into a couple. I think he's going to struggle uh, the most mightily out of these three. So he's kind of at the bottom of this list where Jason, I see five outfielder, uh, 12 team. Mauricio is like dicey. Maybe he had some real struggles. Maybe he had like Cronenworth and you lost him. Maybe you could fit him in the 12 team. Um, it's not five outfielder, but you know, 12 team type of league. I don't see it with Austin Wells. I'm not looking unless he gets hot. Unless they show us they're going to consistently play him because those other spots right now, he's not. Gonna, where's he going to get those other spots outside of just filling in? DJ LeMahieu at first. DH is kind of locked up. I, I just don't know if he's going to play every single day. So I feel less confident about him. Yeah, I, this is just my take on the situation. I think he's going to at least be the strong side platoon at catcher for the Yankees the rest of the season. They have Kyle Higashioka. They have Ben Rortvet, and it's just like, okay, those guys are clearly not part of the future of this team. So, again, like the other names. And to be clear, Austin Wells is not in the same category of a prospect as, you know, not even close to like a Ronnie Mauricio or a Jason Dominguez. But I think if you play in a deeper two-catcher league, Austin Wells is fine, but he's very clearly league, yeah. very clearly behind like Yiner Diaz and even other names recently. Gabriel Moreno, Shea Langoliers is pretty hot right now. I would take yep. Langoliers over Austin Wells as well. Uh, but he's a name that's coming as well. So New York prospects on the way should be here on Friday. New York. New York. Should have mentioned earlier that uh, we have a big announcement coming later on as well. So uh, that's a little. Can I can I stop tease. you real quick? When you guys hear this. I got to hear this announcement, and I was like, what? 
Oh, there's, this there's, is, there's two announcements, Welsh. Oh, is my is yours a different? Because mine, <laughs> the one you told me, I'm like so excited about. Uh, I think it's very cool. It has nothing to do with me, by the way. It has yeah. nothing to do with me. So, yeah, there's actually <laughs> two announcements. One I will reveal after the break, and then one I will reveal a little bit later on. Uh, but we will be back right after this. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Announcement number one is that I will be interviewing a former Yankees legend. I will not be revealing who just yet. If you, oh. if you want to find out who, then you need to keep an eye out on YouTube. So that's probably, maybe I'll drop it as a podcast as well, but it's definitely going to be on YouTube. And it's someone I'm very excited to talk to, one of my favorite Yankees growing up as well. So a little bit of tease there, but I will be talking to a Yankees legend uh, later on this week. Make sure to check that out on YouTube. Now, I know it's secret. I know it's secret. I want to say it, but it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty you guys. That's the one I was like really stoked. I actually don't even know what the other thing is. Uh, I'm very stoked uh, about this and I'm I'm excited to see it on YouTube, even though I know who it is and all of you don't. All right. And let's get into Wednesday's action, actually. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, Welsh, you're up. Your player of the night from Wednesday. <laughs> oh, I forgot we're do- I forgot we're even doing this. We're- we did all the fun prospect stuff. Uh, I'm gonna throw DJ Stewart at you. This was I-, I picked up DJ Stewart in multiple leagues over the last week in need of. I played 16 teams, so I had a little bit more of, of a need for it. And um, I'm gonna do this again. Just whatever. It's this point of the year. Stop getting mad at me if you do get mad at me. But like, I have this little affinity for DJ Stewart. I, I told the story in ITL, Frank, that in 2016. In the AFL, DJ Stewart was a Baltimore Oriole, and uh, Bogman and I were sitting in the outfield in the grass. I don't think you're supposed to do this. And we were recording. We were doing a podcast, and DJ Stewart was the outfielder in right field, and he, we were being so loud, he heard us, and he turned over, and he just gave us a what's up. And we were like, what's up? And we were trying to get his attention. And he always just stood out because he actually kind of looked, especially at that time, like Taz, if anyone's a wrestling fan from like ECW. Ah. He's just like this big, short, thick dude. And DJ Stewart is just having this resurgence of a career. Tonight, he hit two homers, four RBIs against the Rangers, who I had money line bet in a little parlay here. In 101 plate appearances, he now has nine homers with a uh, 279 batting average after tonight. And it's been it's been pretty impressive. He's got hits in seven. Let's see if it counted tonight. It did not count tonight. So it's seven of his last eight games played. That's another homer, three homers in his last two games up. And you're also getting some pretty impressive underlying stuff. XBA, pretty in line, 266 to his 268 batting average. He's got a 15% barrel rate, hard hit rate, 
according to, uh, I think both is between 48 and 49% between uh, fan graphs and baseball savant, big EV numbers. He's hit 108 on a max has an average of 92.4. Listen, this is the type of stuff that gets you an opportunity next year, but what do we care about next year right now when he is hitting and he is providing himself everyday playing time? I don't think if they want to mess around and put Ronnie Mauricio in the outfield, like they have done in the minor leagues, I don't know at this point if it can be at the expense of DJ Stewart. This might really be something when he's on the field, he's hitting at a pretty aggressive clip. Tonight was another sign of it. You know, got to play the hot hands right now. I think in 12, 15, you know, uh, 12 team, 15 outfielder, if you have got some struggles, you got some guys that are stanking it up. DJ Stewart is someone you should be looking at right now. And uh, like I said, seven of uh, eight games hits. Let's go. Especially if you need power. The last 13 games for DJ Stewart, he's batting 378 with eight home runs, 15 RBI, 95.6 average exit velocity. The only mm. problem that I saw, he's 7% rostered. He's widely available. The Mets only have yeah. five games next week, so that's obviously a bummer. Three against left-handed pitching. So I, is he mm. going to start two games next week? It's just, I don't know that he, I don't think he's an everyday player right now. So that's a problem for him. I think if you play in a daily lineup league and you just want to take advantage of, okay, when DJ Stewart is the lineup uh, in the lineup, I'll throw him in there. And obviously he's hitting for a bunch of pop right now. So uh, yeah, I don't think he should be ignored. I think deeper leagues, if you need power, uh, the name is out there. But the schedule, I think a little bit questionable for DJ Stewart. I do play it a lot of daily, so I do want yeah. to point that out. Like I am a, I'm more of a daily guy than anything else, so I have a lot of daily moves in it. This week might be a little bit less, but watch on it and a nice heavy right, you know, right-handed run here for weekly leagues. I think he's a guy, even if you're not playing him, you can sit him on the bench, especially if you miss out on Dominguez. You missed out on Parker Meadows. You missed out on Rafaela. Everybody's swooping up all these guys. Might not be the worst person to put on your bench for those right opportunities, assuming you have it. 15% barrel rate. Yeah, it's the batted ball stuff. There's no denying that. It's can he make enough contact because there are a lot of strikeouts in uh, DJ Stewart's game. Let's talk about Darius Vines, my player of the night. He had a very successful debut, and it came in Coors Field against the Rockies. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts to one walk. He had 11 swinging strikes on 82 pitches. And you look at the pitch mix here, a four-pitch mix, mostly three pitches, 35% cutter, 29% four-seam fastball, 28% changeup, 7% slider, so just kind of barely mixed in that slider. He averaged 90 miles per hour on his fastball. So this is a very interesting prospect. Scott and I spoke about him yesterday. He's mostly known for his changeup. He has wicked swinging strike numbers in the minors. He's an older prospect, 25 years old. Uh, Welsh, your thoughts on Darius Vines. He's 3% rostered. If he sticks around for next week, it looks like he's in line for two starts. What do you think? Who Do you know who, who, they, are, who they are? It would be against the Cardinals and Pirates. Mm, interesting. Um, I'm a little. I actually thought he was going to be an AFL guy. I'm. I'm a little indifferent. Low K. It, this is one of those weird, like high swinging strike, low K type of guys. It's not an overtly awesome fastball. I think the mix is really interesting. You know, you were talking about off air about you know the like a primary primary or high changeup guys can sometimes struggle, even though Jordan Wicks, I think, is someone that's going to kind of break that a little bit. Also not a guy that pumps like crazy velocity, but this is one of those guys that can move the zone. You know, you've got a cutter for your outside. You've got your four seam fastball and you got to change up to dip for your strikeouts. I think the pitch mix is nice. I was kind of waiting, actually, because I don't see it on Savant yet. I wanted to see like how big 
the movement on all the pitches were. And we don't have any of that data that has dropped yet. So that would be another thing. But at the end of the day, this isn't um, this isn't someone that I'm investing in spot starting against the Pirates. It's kind of interesting. I don't think I really care about. I don't know if I want to see a lower velo guy against the Cardinals right now. Uh, we saw Bryce Elder work for some time and he was a primary slider guy, primary off speed pitcher. And um, mine's one of those players with the low the the low max you know um, uh, velocity on the fastball. That's not my ideal type of guy, especially with an under eight K per nine in the minors. So I'm probably a pass regardless of two starts. If you're desperate, those two starts you can maybe get down with. I do like that Pirates start coming up if he gets it. Yeah, I think we leave it for d- very deep leagues right now. Darius Fines of the Atlanta Braves. And I do wonder how long he's going to stick around because Kyle Wright is currently rehabbing. So yes, good point. He could be back. I don't I don't think he'll be back next week, though. So that's why like the immediate, you know, if you're really desperate and you want to roll the dice on a two star pitcher, it's risky. There's no doubt about it. The guy throws 90 miles per hour. Let's talk about Ryan Pepio, who had another solid outing, and he was up against your Arizona Diamondbacks. Can mm-hmm. we say our? Because I have a, I have a preseason bet over 75 and a half wins. So once yeah, we get that, I think we should be all right. But this isn't the Packers. They didn't. Have, I don't have team ownership. I own. Oh no. I mean, we can say my Corbin Carroll, but we can say us or we or our Diamondbacks all day long, Frank. Please. All right, so let's talk about Ryan Pepio. Five shutout innings, two hits, one walk, three strikeouts, and mostly leaned on the four-seam fastball and the changeup in this start, but he does throw a slider that looks to be a pretty good pitch as well. It's a really small sample size so far. He's only thrown 14 innings in the majors this season, but the walks have been way down. The walks were down in the minors, too, this year when he was kind of rehabbing. Uh, I know walks and control in general has been a big problem for Ryan Pepio uh, throughout the years, you know, down in the minors, but uh, he pitches for the Dodgers, and that's kind of half the battle right now. He's 33% rostered. Also looks like he might line up for two starts next week at the Marlins and at the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Two fantastic matchups. Welsh, your thoughts on Ryan Pepio? I mean, Nationals definitely been turning it around, but True. yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm in that. I love the uh, the lower walk numbers. That's something that's huge. It's one walk per nine, 11K per nine going into tonight, and then he ended up throwing a few more on there. Um, you know, something that's going to be interesting to watch, this was actually a problem that uh, the other side that um, uh, Brandon Fott had earlier in the year was dealing with like ineffective fastballs. And like it was surprisingly effective in this one only 22 percent swing and whiff rate but a 14 percent outside the zone swing rate on the fastball which was kind of what um we saw with brandon fought and then when you had control issues and it not being around the zone that equaled to just absolute massive disasters and then he kind of fixed where he was pitching and that pitch became more effective I'm a little bit worried in if that fastball doesn't improve a little bit, where is it going to go? But they were just swinging through their shoes on the changeup. It did have a 28% um, swing and whiff rate, but a 50% outside the zone swing percentage. So he was burying that thing that they thought they were getting on top of the fastball. And if he can continue to do that, Dodgers do wonder. There's great run support. He's not walking. He's showing great signs here. This is a guy that toes. The, I think he toes the line even maybe a tiny bit above stream. And the matchups that you just laid out, 33%, fine. you tell me, is there a better under 50% two-start pitcher that you can find for next week? Because I would be remiss that there is. Uh, let's let's check it out. The early lean, obviously we'll learn more tomorrow when Scott does his two-star pitcher rankings. And yeah, let's see, uh, under 50%. Uh, Brandon Fott, actually, 
Eh, he's facing the Rockies in Arizona. That's good. But then at the Cubs, I kind of worry about that matchup. So I'd rather have Pepio, I think, at this point than Fott. Even though Fott's, yeah. you know, turned a lot around, I would rather go Pepio. And that's, again, if he sticks around, right? Because the, Pet- sure. uh, the Dodgers have been kind of like manipulating these guys. They bring up Gavin Stone, they send him down. They bring up Pepio, they send him down. So I don't know if he'll stick around. But as of now, that's the way... The matchups line up. I'm Gotta assuming- make your bets. Gotta make your bets right now. We don't know. We, we don't know anything. You guys think like, oh, why are you wrong about? We don't know. We're taking guesses. September, it's wild, wild west. Teams are doop, boop, yeah. boop, boop. They're moving guys here. They're changing these and all. We don't know. We're just making our best guess that this prospect is going to get that time. We're making our best guess that this pitcher who's pitched really well in his return will get to continue doing that for a team that is vying for a playoff spot. So that's why you would want to bet on a guy like Pepio. But you're right. I'm assuming you would take Pepio over Darius Fines, correct? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Would you take Pepio over Jordan Wicks? Um, see the, o- the only small caveat to that is what you're kind of laying out here that the, there's a little bit of a wild card. I kind of think I might, and I might regret it a little bit. That's a, I think that's a really close one. Do you think that's a close one, or what side would you sit on in Pepe? Because I'm, I'm gonna just say Pepio, but I think it is like razor thin close. I think I would lean with Jordan Wicks for the reasons you just mentioned. I, I just. I don't know if Ryan Pepio is going to be around for You're his next You're more start. worried. Yeah. You're yeah. more worried that the Dodgers are going to screw with him not getting consistent. And starts. I think the upside is higher for Pepio, too. Again, he's on a better team. Yeah. He was, I think, by all accounts, a better prospect than Jordan Wicks. But I think Wicks is going to pitch. Like, he's here for the Cubs, and, you know, they need some arms. So, yeah, I, I would probably take Wicks. But if we're just looking at talent, I, I think Pepio is probably the better pitcher. Uh, heads up, I mentioned this yesterday that we'll be recording a mailbag podcast later this week. Scott and I will be doing that. Uh, that will serve as Sunday night's YouTube stream, Monday morning's podcast. We'll recap the long Labor Day weekend on Monday night. If you do have a question, you can send it into fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I, cbsi.com. Put mailbag in the subject line. Let's talk a few rookie updates here. Big game for Jordan Walker on Wednesday, four for four with his 12th home run, three RBI. It's been an okay month for Jordan Walker, 265, three homers. 793 OPS. Welsh, would you rather have him or Christian Encarnacion Strand, who also went four for four, hit his fifth home run. He had three RBI, four hard hits in this game. The overall numbers, pretty underwhelming so far. He's been striking out quite a bit. Uh, who do you like more rest of the season, Jordan Walker or Encarnacion Strand? Mm, remember, we were like, where is he? Yes. <laughs> and now we're like, all right, who else we got here? It's the entire um, Reds lineup. I mean, they are just all struggling right now. Yeah, you, you know, I... I think I might have easily right off the bat just said go with Jordan Walker. The only thing is like with all the injuries the Reds are going with and you're putting like, was it Martini in like, like you're getting like weird dudes that are going in and hitting like five and stuff like that. It just breeds more opportunity with the injuries that are going on with the Reds and it's just a uh, hitter friendly environment. I'm just kind of pulling up Encarnacion Strand. Walker has just been so inconsistent. I'm I'm trying, I want to find like the positive in where Walker's been, but it's really not. I mean, he has f- five total hits since August 21st, and that spans over like seven games. So you have, and counting today, that there would be a couple more hits in there. I think I'm going to go, if I'm trying to reach for power, I'm going to go for Strand. If I'm looking for a little bit more batting average, I guess I go with Walker. I'm cheating a little bit overall. I think I just go with Strand. I think this time of year specifically, too, if you're just looking to stream hitters on a weekly basis, you should look at the matchups heavily and the schedule. And next week, Encarnacion Strand has six games at home. So obviously, it's a great environment, great ballpark to hit in. He's 64% rostered. I think I'd be all right with uh, making that swap. 
Walker's you still know, 83% rostered, so he's on a lot of teams. So You know what I would do? Uh, obviously not next week because you laid it out, but give me the following week with like five righties. I'll go DJ Stewart over both these guys in redraft. Cut them easy for DJ Stewart if it is a uh, bountiful week for Stewart upcoming. All right, fair enough. Let's talk about two other rookies and what have they been up to so far? Everson Pereira with the Yankees went one for three with two RBI and his first steal. So pretty solid game for him. But in nine games played, He's batting 129 with a 390 OPS, only three walks of 14 strikeouts. He is hitting the ball extremely hard, 93.4 average exit velocity, but clearly it hasn't really amounted to much so far. And Lawrence Butler went two for four with a massive home run. It was his second homer, and uh, yeah, he hit it 431 feet off of Bryce Miller. Uh, Any quick thoughts here on Pereira and Lawrence Butler? Yeah, I think um, this actually kind of like feeds to the the people that are screaming about like, oh man, these rookies and they just don't produce. Yeah, it, it's volatile. That's definitely what it is. That's why I'm not like the biggest rookie guy in redraft. I love them obviously in Dynasty and how you can move it, but I don't know. I pick and choose my spots of where I want to invest in rookies. Are either one of these guys like holds for more than three days of struggle? I just don't think so. If I wanted to hold one, it's Maybe Butler at this point, he's showing lower strikeout rates than Pereira. Pereira has huge hard hit numbers, but it's like 40% strikeout rate early on. They got some other bats they might want to see. I don't know what the A's would be looking at outside of just letting Butler finish it out. So I would go Butler over either of them, but I think they are easily droppable for any hot bat that's starting to pick it up. Let's talk starter sit questions for starting pitchers start uh, for next week. And first up, we have Dylan Cease, who has given up four-plus earned runs in five of his past seven starts. He was at the Orioles, gave up those five runs over six innings. It was a really bad first inning. He did settle down after that. He still had 19 swinging strikes. Whiffs are not the problem. Dylan Cease has been getting strikeouts all year. The walks, 4.3 walks per nine this year, third highest among qualified starting pitchers. Dylan Cease's last seven starts, he has a 779 ERA and a 193 whip. He is only 56% started on CBS. Uh, Welsh, do you bench him next week at the Kansas City Royals? Oh, man. I mean, the Royals have definitely had some of those outing, outings where like they don't become heavy strikeout guys. <laughs> you know what I feel like this is? If you can live with six innings, three walks, seven strikeouts with a little bit of variation, then I think you go. Could be four earned runs, uh, could be four walks that could be in there. I think those strikeout numbers can go there. If I had to give you like a really direct answer, I just don't trust Dylan Cease right now. I'm not sure what there is to trust. He's given up four or more earned runs in four of his last six starts. And the last two, Colorado and Oakland. Going, or at least in, until the most recent, uh, yeah, I think the most recent one. But on the 20th and 25th, you had Colorado and you had Oakland. So I don't know why you would trust him. If I am hugging ratios, I'm probably not going to start him. Cole Reggins is a more trustworthy start than <laughs> Dylan Cease right now. Oh, yes. And it's like, we all are like, yeah, duh. Well, okay, go back to when people were screaming about uh, Frank and I saying that Dylan Cease wasn't going to be great this year. And after his very first start, all the victory laps that were going on, if I would have told you Cole Reggins, going into September was exponentially a better start than Cease. She just said we're crazy, but Cease has given us no reason to really trust with, um, you know, the major walk issues and consistent earned runs. And also like that offense is kind of a disaster as well. So I think there's more reason to not trust him than to trust. If you picked up Kyle Harrison, it looks like he is in line to face the Rockies in San Francisco next week. Would you start Kyle Harrison over Dylan Cease? 
I would. I would, I, like, I would, I do would it man. I would. Okay, do again, it. I like. I didn't want to sound crazy. I would start Kyle Harrison in, uh, in San Francisco against Colorado. Yeah, I'm not even sure I would think really hard about it. I agree with you. Let's talk about Chris Bassett, who turned in one of his better starts of the season. Eight shutout innings against the Washington Nationals. Only had three strikeouts in this one. He doubled his curveball usage, which seems like it would be a good idea. He threw it 23% of the time in this one. But in his previous five starts before this, a 440 ERA, a 124 whip for Chris Bassett. Uh, next week, he faces the Oakland A's in a revenge game. Obviously, a great matchup, too. Uh, what do you think, starter set? Start. We're we're starting. Yeah, you. I you got to lay out what the scenario is where I don't start a pitcher against the A's. I'm not. I'm trying to. I would try to, uh, Vines, Darius Vines, who just threw 90 miles an hour and start. Yeah, I'll start him against the A's. So yeah, I think there's plenty. I love little stupid revenge narratives as well. But <laughs> yeah, Bassett has been like inconsistent this year. But I'm 100 percent starting him against A's, and I'll feel good about it. Oh yeah, I got one for you, Frank. Chris Bassett or Dylan Cease. Oh, I'm starting Chris Bassett. <laughs> okay, there we go. Easy enough. Let's talk about Hunter Green, who had his best start since returning from the IL. He was at the Giants, where he went five and a third innings. He allowed one unearned run with six strikeouts, only one walk. That's obviously the very good news here for uh, Hunter Green. But, as I mentioned earlier, the Reds are at home all week next week. Two starts against the Mariners and the Cardinals. Again, both in Great American home uh, Ballpark. What do you think about Hunter Green for next week? Oh, man. I mean, if like Julio's not there, I like it a little bit more if he weren't playing. Um, I I don't think I feel good about it. I, I think I'm you got to take your shots in the playoffs and stuff, but I feel like I'm buckling. I know that next week is going to be a start of a lot of playoffs or some that are going on right now. Hunter Green can totally make a great week for you with like nine, 10 strikeouts. But I feel like there's just too much upside right now. Again, if you're playing it safe, you're hugging. Oh, if you got a two week playoff run, like some people like to do, I don't know, maybe I'd feel better about that. But Frank, I think I'm going to lean like, no, I don't think I trust it. I think it's circumstantial. I think in a points league, you might be able to get away with it, but... Uh, good point. I'm talking yeah. Roto and head-to-head when no. I'm talking right now. I, yeah. I, you're right about that. But if you're in a categories league and... You're protecting the ratios right now. I mean, this can absolutely blow up in your face. Two starts in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I think it's kind of circumstantial here. But uh, in general, I, th I think I'd be pretty scared to do it with Hunter Green. Yeah, and one thing I want to point out that is relatively obvious, but like it's oh, it is case by case basis. Like we have to talk in like affirmatives with not knowing you who's listening, your situation. Like yeah. you might have better options, you might have worse options. So it's like you know if you're if you're sitting Hunter Green and you need the inning and you need to play for a win. And you hear this and you're like, well, so I should stop him and then I should start like this guy. I should start, you know, whoever for the diamond. I should start Ryan Nelson for the diamond. Like, no, you shouldn't do that. So you, you do have to play the circumstances and know, like, on average, we're not looking to do it or we're looking to pick up this player. But it doesn't have to be at the expense of like, you know, really good options out there. Hunter Green might be a need for you. You might have to get those innings. You might need to play the strikeouts. It's just is riskier. He's ri Dylan Cease is riskier. Hunter Green is riskier. I'd rather Chris Bassett over both of those players right now. And I chase strikeouts like crazy. Those guys are 10 strikeout plus potential guys on any given night, but they're just too risky at this point. Yeah, it's a good point you bring up too, because this is a harder exercise to do. Everyone's team is so different. That's why it's kind of hard to talk about trades too in general. Hey, would you trade this player for this player? It's like, 
that might only help one person out there, right? Yeah. Because it's just like, it's so circumstantial. So again, when I do this, it's mostly for, you know, 12 team leagues, assuming that you have like decent other options. I'm not saying just bench Hunter Green for any like Joe Schmo that you would pick up, but you know, Hunter Green for two starts or Kyle Harrison for one against the Rockies in San Francisco. Like if you want to play it safe, I think Kyle Harrison's probably the better way to go. So just to yeah. kind of And that, that is a, that's actually a really cool point you're mentioning. Would you rather those two dicey starts of Hunter Green in a points league or that one Kyle Harrison start? It's something points that changes this yeah. conversation up. It's something I struggle with a lot. I, I usually chase the volume in points leagues and just go with the two starts. But there are lots of times where it kind of blows up in my face. And then I always try to remind myself, like, don't start a bad two star pitcher over a solid pitcher with one start. And like, I always try to remind myself that. And then I never remember. <laughs> it's just it's like <laughs> it's just like I never learn from my mistakes. But yeah, I, I yeah. do usually chase the volume in a, in a points league. Let's talk about Bryce Miller, who turns in a quality start against who? The Oakland A's. Six innings, three runs, five strikeouts with 14 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. Still did allow nine hard hits in this game. And next week has two starts, another one. With all these pitchers, you see a theme like Dylan Cease, Hunter Green, Bryce Miller. There's a lot of volatility with these guys. They're fly ball pitchers. Bryce Miller has a start in Cincinnati and in Tampa Bay. Like That scares the crap out of me for a fly ball pitcher. Yeah, and he's been a little bit dicier as of recent. Uh, I, I, and people are like really getting sick, I guess. I don't know what they're getting sick of, but I saw someone was like, oh man, there's another like not good start. And he only gave up three earned runs. Like people are really turning on Bryce Miller. He's been good as of recent, five earned runs over his last uh, four stars going into the 25th. So, um, that's not accounting for tonight where he gave up another three earned runs. So, you know, that is technical quality starts if he'd met the innings match over five starts but i don't know the strikeout numbers aren't necessarily there um he's been a little bit inconsistent with that five strikeouts tonight but he had two of his last five starts he had two strikeouts in those games i i, I agree with you you know what the game might be here frank rank the risky guys rank dylan cease hunter green and bryce miller the two starts with matchups that don't feel great yeah, uh, well, Cease only has the one start against the Royals, but that's honestly... Oh, the, I thought we were playing him dual. Th that's the best matchup of like outside of Chris Bassett. I think Bassett is at the top of this list, and then I would probably go... Oh, man, it's gross. I think I would go Cease, Hunter Green, and then Bryce Miller in that order. Cease, Hunter Green, Bryce Miller, and Kyle Harrison. <laughs> um, Kyle Harrison would be ju uh, just behind Chris Bassett. So he'd probably be second on this list. Okay, so like they're the single tier. Yeah. And I feel like there's another two pitcher that I was con uh, convoluting with Cease. So of the single tier guys, it's Bassett, Harrison, Cease, and then the two start guys, you like Hunter Green over Bryce Miller. Yeah, but it, it feels so <laughs> scary, man. It feels really scary. Uh, last name on this list is Dane Dunning. Looks like regression is kind of hitting Dane Dunning at this point. He was at the Mets. He gave up three runs over four innings. And over his last three starts, a 692 ERA and a 2.0 whip. I think this is a very clear bench against the Houston Astros next week. Yes, sir. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to touch this one. All right, let's take our final break. And when we return, we'll hit some news and notes. I've got some leftovers. We'll do that right after this. All right, welcome back. Let's talk some news and notes. The latest on Wander Franco, a special prosecutor in the Dominican Republic, is investigating a second complaint, and Franco, Franco was placed on administrative leave uh, last week. Well, she think he is an official drop in redraft leagues. I, I feel like 
that's kind of been the case for a while Ooh, now. Yeah, that's I think uh, the minute he got put on it, you were good to go to make that drop. He is a 100 percent drop in redraft. And you know what? If something changes and he comes back, so be it. So be it. But if especially if there's I mean, I would I wouldn't even say this is like conditional, like, you know, because so, I'll do that. I'll be like, hey, we might not drop a guy if there's nothing out there. There's probably like literally anything out there that is more worthwhile the risk than holding on that he comes back for what like a week you know in your championship week nah anything yeah. else wander franco still 86 percent rostered on cbs sure some of those are like dynasty and keeper leagues where you know you're not going to drop him in those for now we'll see what happens but in any redraft league yeah i think we you're good to let go of wander franco at this point julio rodriguez has missed two straight with a nerve issue in his left foot which we don't I don't know. We don't know more other than that, but it, it sounds kind of scary. I hope it's not. He's I, frustrated, too. Yeah. He had some thing where he was just like, I just want to be out there. Like, for me to not play, he's getting really frustrated. I do worry he's going to push it, you know, where they're going to be like, hey, listen, it's a little dicey. And he's going to be like, I got to be out there. Obviously, we want him to be out there, but I just worry about, like, re-aggravation. Uh, that's something that can pretty easily get re-aggravated. So um, monitor it and watch. But, yeah, it's not fun. No, it is not. George Kirby will slot back into the Mariners rotation during this weekend series against the Mets. He was scratched on Tuesday with an illness. Jorge Soler was out of the lineup Wednesday with right hip tightness. Ryan Helsley is on track to be activated from the 60-day IL on Friday. Marcus Stroman did some long tossing on Wednesday, the first time he's done any throwing since he was diagnosed with a right rib cage cartilage fracture. Say that five times fast. Right rib cage cartilage fracture. Okay. Kyle Wright moved his rehab assignment to AAA on Wednesday. Mason Miller will likely make one more rehab start. He topped 100 miles per hour eight times during a scoreless inning at AAA on Tuesday. But only feel like 29. He's like he's not top. He doesn't even get to 50. Like they're not pushing him on innings, yeah. which what's that going to look like? I know people are like sitting around. I don't think, I don't know what interest I would possibly have with him coming back because he's not putting up any innings. So what the hell's that going to look like it when he's at the majors? Two, two innings, three yeah. innings. He's not going to go five. How can he go five? I don't think so. I, I think it might be if you just want like a bulk reliever for ratios and strikeouts, that's probably what you're looking at. But yeah, Three to four innings max, I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking for Mason Miller. Lane Thomas exited Wednesday because of back tightness. Jose Urquidy will remain in the Astros bullpen, quote, as of right now. That's according to Dusty Baker. That means JP France should continue to start for them. And Willier Abreu is expected to rejoin the Red Sox lineup on Friday. Announcement number two. How can you forget about this one, Welsh? I, I read it and I was like, oh yeah, duh. This was something I've known about for a, a little bit. Well, oh, yeah. it kind of became official, but. Yes, it became official that I will be out at First Pitch Arizona again this year. Of course, Welsh will be there as well because he lives in Arizona. For those who aren't aware, this is a four-day fantasy baseball conference in Mesa, Arizona, from Thursday, November 2nd through Sunday, November 5th, and it's filled with all different things to do, activities, uh, you get to watch Arizona Fall League games featuring some of the best prospects out there. As we've referenced many times, last year we got to see Matt Mervis and Jason Dominguez and Lawrence Butler was out there and Zach Geloff was out there and lots of lots of fun names. Uh, do we have any official announcements yet, Welsh? There's a couple names. I, I know some that we can't say. Uh, okay. Alexander Canario, apparently that's been official with the Cubs, if you guys pay attention to him. Uh, that is locked in. Uh, Cody Morissette. No big names. No, I should say this. No big names have confirmed. There's a couple little names that have publicly said it. They're announcing coaches right now. 
And I think we are close. I, I kind of feel like Friday, September 1st, that might be a really ideal spot. It could be next week because they're, they're slow rolling some stuff. But there's going to be some big names. I, I did a show, I told you, on my show Prospect 1 where I speculated who's going to be there. And I think we're going to have minimum two top 10 prospects that are going to be there. I speculated five, but I get... I get kind of wild with that stuff, but I'm excited to have you there. Are you announcing any of the other things that you film? Yes. Let's talk about what else will be happening while we're out there. Uh, Along with the Arizona Fall League games, they have a home run derby, which was awesome last year. It's like, we're just standing in the outfield. We're trying to catch, you know, home runs from like Heston Kierstad and Matt Mervis was in it last year. And it was awesome. And the famous, and the famous home run guy. Remember I told, I put Frank on to this guy who only reason I'm bringing this up. Cause I put Frank on, I told him this story. And then this guy this year made multiple news for, um, broadcasters. Cause he would run around and go crazy and he would like push over kids and stuff. And he was next to, I think he, wasn't he next to you and caught oh, yeah. a ball in the outfield? Oh yeah, I saw him. He was he was big <laughs> during spring training too. You would see him out at Yankee games. It's, it was just like, it was yeah. wild. Uh, there's a Fall Stars game. So that's like, you know, all of the best prospects from the Arizona Fall League that will play on that game uh, on Sunday and all different kinds of panels and live podcasts. And, you know, we're in talks to do a live podcast. That's not confirmed yet, but if you're out there, you get to see a live podcast from the Welsh and myself. Uh, and way too early drafts going on. The World Series is happening during that time. So, like, <sighs> so during nighttime, like, everyone's just hanging around at the bar and we're watching World Series games and stuff. Again, it's First Pitch Arizona. It's awesome. Highly recommend it. It's presented by Baseball HQ. You can go to baseballhq.com slash first slash first pitch Arizona to find their current discounted registration rate for the weekend. That's $429 for, you know, all of that stuff that I just mentioned, four days of awesomeness. And that runs through that rate runs through this Monday, September 4th. The price goes up after that. So if you do want to hop on, it's $429 for now. And that's through Monday, September 4th. First pitch Arizona, it's going to be awesome. And Frank told me he promises he will sign any autographs <laughs> that anybody wants. Baseballs, bats, uh, hats. He, he's going to, might, we might even have a session. We might have a table when if we may do or do not do a podcast. Frank's going to sign all the autographs. So however opportunity are you going to get to get Frank Stample's autograph? Just saying. I might be the first autograph ever where I sign something and that depreciates the value of whatever you gave me. Right? <laughs> the ball's worth 20 and now it's worth like 10 because yeah, you wrote on it. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> uh, let's quickly run through some waiver wire hitters and uh, who cares about waivers? Hunter Renfro went three for four with his 19th home run for RBI. He's 73% rostered. I can't give you a schedule because I don't even know which team he's going to be on. So hopefully we find out on Thursday. But, you know, if he lands with the right team with everyday playing time, might be someone we're interested in. So pay attention to Hunter Renfro. Jorge Polanco stayed hot two for two with two walks and two RBI in the month of August. He looks a lot like Jorge Polanco, batting 283, five homers, two steals, and 887 OPS. He's 68% rostered, has second and third base eligibility. Uh, Welsh, I asked Scott this question the other day. Would you rather have Polanco or his teammate, Royce Lewis? Oh, Royce Lewis. <laughs> I'm going to say that really quick. I don't want, I was actually going to say, like these waiver wirey guys, the thing to not forget about all this, you know, I get on and we talk prospects and blah, 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 is like, don't forget about the old fuddy duddies and like what, how good they are for your team. And a guy like Jorge Polanco, Hunter Renfro, even, they get lost in the mix. I'd rather have these guys than a lot of speculative shots. 
I'm going to go with Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis is on a thing right now, and he's turning out. I'll take that upside of what he... But, I, I mean, I don't want to make it like Polanco's not doing anything, but, yeah, it's Royce for me. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Michael Brantley, in his second second game with the team, second start with the Astros, so they're throwing him out there, two for four with a double and two RBI. He's 13% rostered. The Astros have six games next week. Who else would you rather have, Michael Brantley or your boy DJ Stewart? Um, well, okay. Next week. Yeah. I, I would rather have Michael Brant. Michael Brantley. I think it better in a points league. Uh, also yeah. point that out. But yeah, if I, if you gave me five games with three lefties or six games with the Astros with Michael Brantley, I'll easily go with Brantley. And the cool thing about both of those players is I don't think there's enough buzz that those aren't guys that are consistently available for you to stream. And usually we talk about like streaming pitchers, but you, if you have, I don't want to say unlimited, but if you have like enough roster spots to move Michael Brantley, DJ Stewart, those might be guys to pay attention to if you want to stream bats. All right. Well, let's get into uh, the leftovers. And we had two pitching duels on Wednesday. It's time to First up, Brandon Woodruff at Kyle Hendricks. A battle in the National League Central. Brandon Woodruff, he just looks as good as ever. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. And Kyle Hendricks on the other side. Six innings, one unearned run with six strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 98 pitches, 11 of those on the changeup. Really lean into that changeup in this start. 52% usage, and it has been an amazing pitch for Kyle Hendricks this season. He's got a 359 ERA, a 113 whip. We know he's not going to give you strikeouts, but he feels too undervalued right now. 59% rostered. I did this with Seth Lugo recently. I was like, he, he's just like too under-rostered, like undervalued in fantasy. I feel the same way about Kyle Hendricks now, who's in line for two starts next week against the Giants and the D-backs. How about this? I would start Kyle Hendricks over any of the names that we spoke about during the starter sit segment. Bassett, Cease, Hunter Green. I would start Kyle Hendricks over all of them the way that he's pitching right now. Ooh, I don't I don't think I can disagree with you on that. Like, I do think he's in the same tier as like Bassett. And because I really like the matchups yeah. for Bassett and both Harrison for like strike. I would I, you want to chase strikeouts more. But I do think you're right. Like the Cubs are they're doing the thing. He's doing his thing. I think think I'm going to go with the really low EVs, by the way, 85.1 average exit velocity on pitches this year. So, you know, giving up a lot of like weak contact, that's probably a guy to make a good bet on, even though you won't get those Ks. Again, yeah, Kyle Hendricks is not, he's not a similar pitcher at all to like Hunter Green or Dylan Sees. Like if those guys pitch to their capabilities, they're better pitchers than Kyle Hendricks. I realize that. But in terms of floor right now, and you just, you don't want anything to go haywire this time of year. You got head-to-head matchups. I think Kyle Hendricks has a much higher floor than any of those pitchers that we spoke about before. Another pitching duel was Zach Eflin against Jesus Lazardo. Eflin went six shutout innings with eight strikeouts. Jesus Lazardo also went six shutout innings. Uh, I might have just wrote down the same exact line for both of these guys, and I don't think that's what it actually was. So I will pull that up. But yeah, let's uh, see. I'm pulling. Uh, I'm pulling them both up as well, even though it's going slow. <laughs> okay, let's take a guess. Which do you think that line is for? That's Jesus Lazardo's line. What was it again? Repeat it. Six shutout, one hit, two walks, eight strikeouts. Yeah, you're right. Because Eflin went six and one third, four yeah, hits, yeah. zero walks, four strikeouts. But also a great start. Any thoughts on these two? Yeah, I mean, I was a big Zach Eflin rest of season guy. He's been a little inconsistent. Lazardo's been massively inconsistent. At the end of the day, Lozardo, kind of getting back to that whole strikeout thing, like he is the better bet for big strikeout numbers and I think massive performances. 
Eflin's a little bit floored, but um, yeah, he can get you six Ks on a start. I think even though he's a little bit more volatile, I would go with Lazardo, hoping that he's carrying this into the end of the year with Eflin right behind him. But I think these are both uh, two solid guys to bet on the rest of the way. Yep. I agree. I think both top 40 starting pitchers. Lazardo has the stuff. It's just, can he command it? And when he loses command, yeah. that's when he gets hit hard and stuff. But just in terms of whiff rates on the slider and the changeup, I mean, Jesus Lazardo is up there with some of the best pitchers in baseball. One other pitching leftover wanted to mention, Sonny Gray. The dude is on a great run right now. Seven shutout innings, five strikeouts against the Guardians. His last eight starts, a 244 ERA, a .91 whip, and right around a strikeout per inning. So, Sonny Gray looks like he's kind of setting himself up to be a potential league winner. He really has been all season. I think he was like a post-200 pick or post-250, and he's been really, really good this year. It's been a Twins pitcher all year long. They just, like, Sonny Gray was quietly sitting there where we were all ooing and aahing over Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan, and he just keeps doing it. Some hitting leftovers. Stop me if you've heard this before. Third day in a row, Trey Turner and Bryce Harper have each homered. Bryce Harper updated numbers in August, batting 361 with 10 homers, 24 RBI, and a 1236 OPS. I'm facing him in a one-week head-to-head playoff matchup, and I feel terrible right now. Uh, Trey Turner just kind of looks like he's coming around. 24 games since he got that standing ovation in Philly, batting 365 with nine homers, 21 runs, 26 RBI, two steals. Kind of feels like he's back. You know, I, First I, rounder next year? I keep saying I want to see more speed, but he's hitting for for power. Uh, Scott and I have been talking about the second round, like a early to mid second round pick. What do you think? Yeah, that, I mean, I was curious if you would push him into the first. I think that's right. I think that's about the spot. It honestly might come down to how he finishes the year. Like if he finishes this hot the rest of the season, then yeah, he'll probably be a first round pick again. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, what else do we have here? Scrolling up and down, Teoscar Hernandez, one for four with his twenty third home run. He's also having a huge August. And uh, Gleyber Torres, two for four with a sock and a shoe, his 23rd home run, his 13th steal of the year. I wanted to mention Luis Robert. Just feels like the guy has been amazing. No one talks about him because he's on the White Sox and they stink. But he went two for five with his 35th homer. He's got 17 steals. He is currently the 10th overall player in Roto, 6th best outfielder in that format, the 9th best outfielder in head-to-head points league. So, Who'd you rather have? Uh, Luis Robert or Trey Turner next year? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know what the answer is. Oh, I think so much of it depends on how Trey Turner finishes out the year. El Pantara. You, you think it's Luis Robert? I think it's Luis Robert. I think it's Luis. <laughs> even though it's the worst context of a team, I think this is Robert, man. To be totally fair, though, I, I think that they're going to go in a similar range. Like, late first I, oh, round. I, totally, I think they're yeah. going to be within, like, four picks of right. each other. Late first, yeah. early second round picks for next year. Five uh, outfielder, though. Five outfielder. You know, yeah. Luis Robert. Yeah, for sure. The Braves, by the way, hit three more home runs. And I think I heard this on the broadcast that they are they're trending. They're on pace to break the home run record. Uh, tonight, they set the Braves all season record for most home runs hit in a season by August thirtieth. On August thirtieth, they did that. the The Braves season long record they have already broken that, and there's like a month left to go. And they're currently on pace to beat the Twins record from I think three or four years ago, whatever it was. What do you think? Who's like the four? Because like Ozuna hit his thirty first. Riley's in the thirties, right? Olsen is obviously up there. Um, Acuna has twenty nine. Wh- okay. Is there an Oak? Do you think there's a Oakland A that has 29 homers that I'm just not thinking of right now? And you're going to blow my mind like the no. fourth home run hitter on the Braves. How many teams leader have less than the fourth home run hitter on the Braves? A lot. 
Well, not a, maybe not a lot. But the Nationals have a 29 home run hitter right now. Absolutely not. No, no, no absolutely not. Not yeah. the A's, not the Nationals. Tigers are probably close, but I don't think they do. Yeah, t- I think Torque hit his 24th or 25th today. Also, uh, the the Pirates. Brian Reynolds maybe has 20. I don't. I, I think that. I mean, there's a handful of teams uh, that don't even have yeah. what the fourth home run hitter on the Braves. It's a useless stat, but it just yeah. it's it's interesting of looking at like how impactful that team has been, and that's not even counting Ozzy Albies, who was on like a nutty home run kick. Um, <laughs> it's it, that team is stupid. Yeah, uh, the call to the bullpen. There's a lot here, but nothing really crazy that stood out to me i guess the texas rangers uh, is the team that we're kind of monitoring the most right now and uh will smith recorded five outs across the eighth and ninth innings with the game tied aroldis chapman got the 10th with the game tied he intentionally walked pete alonzo he unintentionally walked francisco alvarez and then he hit dj stewart with a pitch game over bases loaded hit by pitch with no outs and yeah it's kind of a mess right now for the rangers in general but also for their bullpen uh, I still think yeah. Chapman probably gets the next save opportunity, but it hasn't been great for him. He Let- killed the bet for me, too. I'll also, just say uh, Andres Munoz. It was very nice to see him yeah. uh, be able to strike out one, and he got his 11th save. Just been kind of inconsistent and some worries about him. Seeing him locked down, that was nice. To stream or not to stream, Thursday, we only got four games on the schedule. So I would say probably avoid Thursday for streaming if you can. But if I had to choose, I would say Clark Schmidt at the Tigers and Yoan Adone against the Marlins. I'll yeah, I'll go with you with Clark Schmidt. Everything else, no thanks. On Friday, Jordan Wicks is at the Reds. We've got Dakota Hudson against the Pirates. Patrick Sandoval at the Oakland A's. I feel like those three are okay. Ryu, but he's at Colorado. I can't do it. He pitches to contact too. It's yeah. I I could do Jordan Wicks and I could do Sandoval and I think i'm gonna stop there with those guys all right fair enough for the welsh i am frank thanks as always for tuning in to fantasy baseball today please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on apple or spotify and we will be back again tomorrow bye-bye